Colossians 1, 1 through 8. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people and Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from hope, from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, I'm on. Good, there we are. Okay, here we go. Um, Happy Sunday, everybody. This is the day the Lord has made. Fun to have some of you students with us. I think we'll probably have more students in second service than first service, uh, but we're full. We've got people in the living room space, uh, which is wonderful. And I don't know if you noticed uh, a jacuzzi on your way in, um, but we're going to have a baptism. In fact, we're going to have eight baptisms uh, right after this service. So yeah, Josiah, who just read, is one of the people getting baptized. We've got a couple other people in the, in the house right now. So yes, this is, this is the kind of fall kickoff, as Trev said, family Sunday and baptism Sunday. And so this is a really exciting day. My daughter's getting baptized today. So yeah, if I pass out at some point or do something strange, you'll know why. Um, but it's a really exciting day. And we're kicking off this new series in Colossians. This will take us through the fall through till at least the Advent season, and I'm really excited to do this. And what's really fun is we've got quite a bit of alignment this year, this fall on Colossians. Overflow, the junior high and high school, they're going to be walking through Colossians uh, this fall. And then those of you women who do the Wednesday Abide uh, group, you guys will be spending the whole fall, because you're deeper than we are, uh, in verses (laughs) 9 through 14 in Paul's prayer to the Colossians. And of course, you'll be looking at other passages along the way. But So there's a lot, uh, lot of Colossians coming. Colossians is in the air these days. And uh, so what I get to do this morning, kind of for, for us adults, but also for the students, is set, uh, set the vision for Colossians, kind of give us the, the, the big picture view and remind us of the story we find ourselves in. And that's, that's what I want to do this morning. We're not going to go verse by verse today, but I, I want to give us, I want to help us all as we kind of enter, this is sort of fall kickoff for us officially today. So as we enter into a new season, I want to give us the big picture perspective again. And some of you may be like right in the thick of some hard things or, or some good things, but you're just kind of, your head's down, right? You're just walking one foot in front of the other. I want to help us all step back today and kind of breathe again and see, see the horizon, see the story that we're part of, that we get to see, that we'll be looking at all fall through uh, Colossians. So I want to just ask you a story, uh, or ask you a question. I just gave away the question. Um, ask you a question. That's, that's how Jesus would teach. So these parabolic. Let me ask you a story. It's good teaching right there. 
call that Socratic. Um, <laughs> now, let me, let me ask you a question, simple question. You've asked this before, but just I want you to think this morning. Here's the question. What story am I in? Okay? As I'm going through my days, what, what's the story that I imagine myself a part of? Do I imagine myself a part of some story? What, what, what story do I belong to? And how does that impact how I'm living my life Monday through Sunday? I came across this uh, quote, which I really liked this week. God is telling the world a story. It begins in eternity past and stretches into eternity future. Scott was just talking about that. God from age to age, right? The theme of the story is shalom. All things in their created place, doing what they were created to do in loving relationship with their creator and amazing grace, it is a story into which God invites you and me as characters. So I was thinking this week, uh, it's a familiar theme, but the power of story, right? Many of us are, are invested in stories. We read novels about stories. We watch uh, shows or you know, movies that, that captivate us with a story. And it's especially powerful to find ourselves within a story. And I was thinking this week, stories uh, do two things. They do more than this, but two things specifically. Stories give us a sense of identity, right? right? To, be, to belong to a story is to, to, to know where you belong, to, ha- to have a place in this larger world, to know whose you are, to know who you are, because you belong to a story. And then, of course, they don't just give us a sense of identity, but they, they give us an adventure to live into, right? When you're part of a larger story, you're, you're one of the characters, and you have your responsibility to move the plot forward in your own particular ways and in the, in the you know, opportunities that you have. So they give us an identity, they give us a, an adventure to live into. And I was just thinking this week of, of the various characters in the Bible who all of a sudden would kind of out of nowhere find themselves in the middle of God's story, given a new identity, given an adventure to live onto. Of course, at the beginning of this year, we looked at the story of Moses, right? Who for 80 years of his life had an identity of murderer and a random shepherd guy in the wilderness. And then he happens upon a, a bush that's burning <laughs> with a voice speaking out of it. And the voice gives him a new identity. You, you are, you are going to be my shepherd to my people to rescue them from Egypt. And of course, it gives him an adventure to live into. Go back, bring my people out. Quite an adventure to live into. Or let me give you a couple more. How about the story of Ruth? This woman from Moab, that's not Israel, who marries an Israelite, marries a foreigner, uh, in her own land, and her husband dies, and she's left with her mother-in-law, whose husband also died, who's going back to Israel, and Ruth decides, I'm going to have a new identity. I'm going to attach myself to my mother-in-law. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people, and she sets off on a land she's never been to to become part of the people of Israel. Uh, I've been telling you, we've been watching The Chosen lately, our family. We're a little behind the curve, but we're finally getting to it. Uh, and so I've been really enjoying the story of the fishermen again, right? Simon and Andrew, these two guys who are just kind of blue-collar fishermen growing up in Capernaum, right, just doing their fishing thing. Uh, and they're at their nets, and then this, this rabbi comes walking by, right, and gives them a new identity. From now on, 
uh, you're going to be fishers not of fish, but you're going to fish for people in a massive adventure to live into. Or think about that rabbi's mom, Mary. This young teenage gal, betrothed, uh, and this angel shows up to her and says, you're part of God's story. You're going to have a new identity, the mother of the Messiah. And that would be an adventure to live into till the day she died, full of joys and full of losses and sorrows. And so we watch in Scripture as stories, and the story gives people a new identity and a new adventure to live into. And I was just thinking about this week, I also thought of, I think so much of our world right now, we can say even in our own country, is suffering for lack of a larger story, right? The stories that used to make sense of the world, people are letting go of, abandoning, and they have no larger story. And what you see is the, a culture that's wrestling with that. And so you have people who, because they don't have another story, they, they no longer have a, an identity, something to belong to. So they're having to discover their identity or invent or craft an identity for themselves, which is a remarkably burdensome thing to try to do. And there's no larger adventure to live into beyond self-fulfillment, self-gratification. And so you see a culture uh, with people who are, who are struggling. You're seeing anxiety on the rise, right? Loneliness, isolation, depression. These are all the things that happen when you, you don't have a sense of where you belong in a larger story. And so what I want to do this morning is just remind us, most of, for most of us, this will be review. I want to remind you of the story of the good news. Uh, and I want to do that, of course, through Colossians 1, 1 through 8. There's a particular phrase uh, that I want to highlight this morning. So here's the story. Look at verse 6. For me, it starts just a little into verse 6. In the same way, here's the story I want to I pose to you guys as we move into the fall. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, okay? This is what I want to pose today as the story that we're a part of. The gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. Gospel means good news, okay? There's a message. There's some truth, and it's good. It, it's, it's something to proclaim. It's a message about Jesus, right? God's son, his death, and his resurrection, and his, the gift of his spirit to people. It's a really good message, and all over the world, this message is bearing fruit and growing. God is reclaiming his creation one person at a time as the message about Jesus hits people and bears fruit and grows in their lives and then spreads out to other people through their example and through their witness. Okay? Whatever other story you find yourself in this morning, I want to suggest that is the biggest story and the greatest story, and we get to be a part of it. And what struck me this week is that little phrase, bearing fruit and growing. Okay, you're going to see it again in verse 10. I'll show it to you in just a second. But bearing fruit and growing, you, you may not pick that up, but that is a deliberate echo of Genesis 1 and the language of the original story. So what I want to do is I just want to share the story with you guys this morning through the powerful gift of clip art, Okay. So uh, for you students, I want you to know what you're missing uh, in Trevor's teaching and Luke's teaching because we do some powerful <laughs> multimedia presentations that you will be blown away by our technology here. Um, 
But bearing fruit and growing, let me, let me show you um, where that comes from. That comes from the, the Genesis 1, the beginning of the story. This is day six of creation. So God created humanity in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, here's the phrase, bear fruit and grow in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This was the original story that God wanted to tell. And Paul is echoing that, saying that story continues today, albeit in a very redeemed and different way than originally expected, okay? So I want to talk you through the story, okay? This is going to take me about five minutes. Creation, fall, redemption through this powerful gift that I have of um, technological advancement. Um, so let me just remind you of the story. It's an, it's an act three, you know, act three act story, creation, fall, redemption. So here's the story of creation. In the beginning, right, God makes the heavens and the earth, makes this beautiful place, uh, epic, diversity, uh, order, beauty, all these things. And on day six, he makes, right, as we said, humanity, verse 27. And he gives them an identity. Here's their identity. You are my image bearers, okay? You, unlike anything else in the creation, you bear my image. You are like me in some way, okay? Uh, you are my representatives in the rest of creation. You bear my goodness, my rationality, my relationality, and I want you to that's who you are. That distinguishes you from the rest of the creation. And, of course, he gives them an adventure to live into, which is this. Bear fruit and grow, right? Fill the earth and subdue it. So here's the story, right? Bear fruit and grow. Fill my good earth with my image. Bring my justice. Bring my love. Bring my wisdom. Bring my order. Bring my creativity to my good world. This was the story that God was telling. Build gardens, right? The idea was he put them in a garden, the Garden of Eden, and the, the command was essentially, I want you to take Eden to the whole globe. That's, your, that's, that's the adventure. And so build gardens and build cities and build civilizations and make art and play sport, right? And develop culture, all these things in ways that, that you take the raw materials of this earth I've made and make a beautiful world out of it, okay? That was the story. You're my image bearers. Now, now, bear fruit and grow. And if I could sum up the, uh, in a word what this was all about, it's that word you saw in that quote, the word shalom. God intended this as a place of shalom, of, of peace, of wholeness, of flourishing for all involved. Okay? That's part one. Um, part two, of course, we know is uh, as the fall. Right? And so here's what happens. Uh, rather than reflect uh, God's image... These image bearers, who are already like God, decided we want to be God, right? We want to decide for ourselves how to live. We want to define good and evil for ourselves. We don't want to depend on someone else. We want to play God in our lives, right? So they choose this act of rebellion. Uh, we call it the fall. And uh, with that, sin enters the world. Uh, disobedience. And what comes from that, which is immediately this, this feeling of of shame, of guilt, and they, they try to cover themselves up, right, with clothes. They try to hide in the trees as God's coming, and then they blame one another. Adam blames God and his wife, and so there's this cover, hide, blame strategy 
that, that takes place. And what you have, if I could kind of summarize the second act in a word, it is the word alienation, okay? We go from shalom to alienation. We're alienated from God. We're alienated from one another. We're alienated even from ourselves. We're alienated from the rest of the creation. And what happens then is these now broken image bearers, still bearing God's image, but now sinful image bearers start to spread that broken image all across God's world, okay? And so we have now a world of alienation, which is the world we now live in, where we see uh, lots of conflict, we see war, we see injustice, right? We see isolation, we see conflict, we see all that we experience in this world. All right, that's part two. But of course, part three, uh, we say creation, fall, redemption, right? The story of redemption through God's Son, and here's how this goes. God sends His Son, Jesus, see Him there? Right into the midst of this fallen, alienated world. And uh, verse 15 of Colossians will tell us that the Son is the image of the invisible God, okay? So God sends into the world the true image bearer, uh, the exact representation of God's being. He, he absolutely in every way reflects who God is. All that humanity was originally supposed to look like, this man perfectly embodies. God's love, God's justice, God's truthfulness, God's courage, God's grace, God's mercy. He is the true image of God. And of course, what he does, rather than uh, choose his own way, right? Rather than define for himself what is good and evil, he decides to submit to his God, whose image he bears, uh, perfectly. He lives a perfect life. And then, of course, he offers himself as a perfect sacrifice for the sins and the alienation of the whole world. The, the penalty that sin demands, he pays. The sentence that we ought to serve, he serves for us on behalf of us in our place. And in so doing, he brings into this world forgiveness and the opportunity for reconciliation with God. And if I had a word for this third part, it's reconciliation. We can go from alienation to reconciliation through faith in what the true image bearer has done for us, okay? And here's what happens now. He now begins this, this message about Jesus, to, to go to our passage here, Paul says, is now bearing fruit, right, and growing as God begins to reclaim his broken image bearers one person at a time. As this message goes out into their minds and it bears fruit and grows in their lives and they give their lives over to Jesus, they experience, they enter into the reconciliation with their God that is available in Jesus and they begin to share that with others so that this gospel now is bearing fruit and growing all over the world. And so we see God's original intention for humanity now being brought about in this different way through the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And this is the story we're part of. Make sense? Okay? All right. So it's really interesting to actually look at our passage and kind of trace the flow of how this gospel was bearing fruit and growing uh, even in this letter. So let me just kind of show you a couple places where you see how the gospel moved from one person to the next in this letter. So, of course, at first we have, most importantly in this letter, Paul himself. Okay? So uh, let me read to you verse 1. Look at verse 1. 
Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. All right? I love that by the will of God part, because if you know Paul's story, you know it wasn't by Paul's own will. Okay? He had no plans to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. Actually, he had plans to kill people who were trying to follow Jesus Christ. So Paul uh, was, if, if you look at this map, obviously you got the Mediterranean area, right? This is Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, uh, of course, Greece there, and you have Israel up here. So Paul was on his way to Damascus, which would be just off the right side of this map, uh, and on his way, that's where uh, he had this encounter with the risen Jesus. Jesus, you know, encountered him from heaven and said, he called him Saul then, Saul, I've got new plans for you. I've got a new identity for you. You're going to be my chosen apostle. I've got a new adventure for you to live into. <laughs> you're going you're to spread my gospel. Guess to whom? To Gentiles. Who would have ever thought of that, right? And so the gospel of Jesus Christ takes root in this man's heart, and it bears fruit, and it grows like crazy. He spends the next three years, actually, just trying to rethink his life. He goes into the wilderness and has to process this radical paradigm shift. He comes out of that time on fire for Jesus, and he and some of his companions start to move around the Mediterranean from village from to village, city to city, preaching this gospel about Jesus, okay? So you have Paul. Uh, then you have Epaphras, all right? Look at verse 7. You learned it, that is, you learned the gospel, from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. So Epaphras, let me tell you a little about this guy. He is a Colossian himself, okay? So you see Colossae there, uh, kind of in the middle of uh, just underneath Galatia. This is where Paul is writing to. He's a local Colossian, and we don't know all the details. Most scholars suggest what happened was at some point he traveled to the left to Ephesus where Paul was preaching the gospel. Maybe he was on business. Maybe he left to hear about this Paul. We're not sure, and again, details are uncertain, but this is what most scholars suggest. While in Ephesus, he hears this message about Jesus, and, um, and he receives it. He hears it. He says, this makes sense to me. And he hears about the love of God. He hears about the judgment of God. But he hears about the, the, the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. And that message hits him. It moves his heart. It makes sense to his mind. And it bears fruit and grows within him in Ephesus. And then what he does is he goes back to his hometown of Colossae. And he starts sharing about it. Okay? And people start watching the way his life has changed, and they start hearing this message, and people in Colossians start to believe it. And, and the gospel bears fruit and grows in Colossae. And so finally you have the Colossians themselves. Look at this. Look at the end of verse 6. Uh, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Okay, they heard about this message through Epaphras, and now they're believing it, they're receiving it, and it's producing fruit in their lives. Um, look at verse 4. Look at some of the fruit uh, that it's producing in their lives. We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you've already heard in the true message of the gospel right? These are the, the, the Christian trinity of, of virtues, faith, hope, and love. 
and they are bearing fruit and growing in these Colossians. Look at verse 10. Paul is, Paul's prayer is, you guys, this, this gospel is already bearing fruit in your lives. My prayer is that it would do that more and more so. Look at the prayer. I pray that you may live a, worthy, a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, and here's our phrase again, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. This gospel is bearing fruit and growing in you. I pray that it would do so more, okay? This is the story. You still with me? Yeah? This is the story. The gospel is bearing fruit and growing in lives and through lives to other lives. And of course, that's the first century, but we could follow the story for the next 2,000 years. The gospel makes its way to Rome eventually. The gospel makes its way to places like England. Eventually, the gospel makes its way across the pond to places like the New World, even to the farthest reaches of Earth, even to Orange County on the west coast of Southern California, right? This is the story that we're still a part of all over the world the gospel is bearing fruit and growing in America and South America and Asia and Africa and Europe and Australia and all parts of the world. This is the story that we're a part of. And so what I want to do just for the last couple minutes is invite you into this story and, and look at a couple of details here that helps us see. I want to, I want to remind you of the new identity that this story gives you, and I want to remind you of the new adventure that this story calls you into, okay? So give me five more minutes. Um, and it's so fun to do this when we're about to go baptize people in whom the gospel has, has, you know, is bearing fruit and growing. So this is so fun for me this morning. Um, but let me remind you of this new identity and this new adventure, okay? So first, what is this new identity that we're given? through the gospel. And before I answer that, I actually want to say, actually what happens in the gospel in this passage is, is God is given a new identity. And, or at least in our understanding of him, he receives a new identity. I, I want you to see this. This really hit me this week. Um, we have a new understanding of what God's identity is. And here it is. Look at verse 3. Here's God's new identity when the gospel bears fruit in your life. Um, before the gospel bears fruit, God is this whatever out there, right? He might be there. Maybe he's distant. Uh, maybe he's powerful. Maybe he's the great, you know, person who set this whole thing up with the, the big man upstairs, whatever we might think, some sort of mysterious distant thing. But that, whatever we think G-O-D, whatever we imagine that to be, when the gospel bears fruit in our lives, that being receives a new identity. And here's his identity. Look at verse three. We always thank God, here it is, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Whatever that being is, he now is Jesus' dad. That's, that's his new identity. The one who sent his son into the world. And this hits me because I've experienced in the last 11 years what it means to have a new identity. For years, I was Dave. right? I'm Dave, Dave. And now I'm Adele's dad. You know, now I'm Cora's dad. Now I go to soccer games and I'm introduced as I'm Josie's dad, right? I go to a birthday, but hi, I'm, I'm, I'm Cora's dad. Okay, I, I have a new identity. <laughs> I'm no longer just Dave. I'm the father of these girls. And oftentimes that's actually how I'm first known. And, and it's, of course, you kind of, you learn things about parents <laughs> by watching their kids, right? Like, oh, you're, you're so-and-so's 
parent. Okay, I got you, you know. Um, that's not always true, guys. We do our best. Kids make their own decisions. So I'm going to need to, I'm need to say that a lot in the next 10 years, all right? So, um, but you do, right? You learn about families. And, and so that's, it's been this window in, in, inside of me, like, God is now Jesus' dad. And I know some things about Jesus. He's so loving and courageous and just and gracious and wise. And we're told in verse 15 that he is the spitting image of his dad. What kind of a dad would raise that kind of boy? And so now I have a new image. Whatever I thought about this mysterious being, I know now he's the father of Jesus Christ. And that tells me all sorts of things about what he must be like. And of course, the good news doesn't just end there. The great news is actually the father of Jesus can now be our father, right? Look at, look at the end of verse 2. Grace and peace to you from God our father. Jesus' dad can now be my dad too through faith in his son, Jesus, because I'm in Christ. I'm adopted into his family. So I believe, I read the the scriptures, I believe when God looks at Jesus, he looks at him with this loving gaze. He has so much pride and joy and delight in his son. I I have no doubt about that. And the good news is that same posture that God has towards his son, Jesus, he can now have towards me through faith in his son, Jesus. So God receives a new identity in my mind, and that obviously changes my identity. But this is when the gospel is bearing fruit and growing in our lives. What that feels like is this. I'm beginning to experience the creator of the universe as my father. I'm beginning to believe in my bones that he loves me, he cares for me, he's not annoyed with me, he actually delights in me, he's not radically disappointed in me, he's for me. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Yes, he disciplines me like a good dad would, of course, but he, he is only always for me. And I'm beginning to believe that in my bones, okay? That, that is what the gospel does in our lives. And with that, then we get this new identity, okay? And here's the identity that we get. Look at verse 2. Here it is. My translation, this is NIV, to God's holy people. This is your new identity when the gospel bears fruit. You receive this identity. You are God's holy people, washed clean, forgiven, sanctified, right? No condemnation, whatever word you want to use. We're going to see some people get dunked in water. It's a a beautiful picture of being washed clean, holy. That word literally means set apart for God. You now belong to God. That's, it's interesting. In the Old Covenant, that word was originally used to refer to the, the articles in the temple, like the vessels, the bowls, the candlesticks. They'd say these, these things are holy to the Lord, meaning they, they are taken out of common usage. These are not bowls that people use it in their homes, okay? These have been removed from common usage. They belong exclusively to God. They're his. They're reserved for him alone. And this is the identity that we take on when we believe the gospel. You are now, and I'm looking out at God's holy people, okay? Forgiven, freed, and you belong to God. You are reserved. There's a reserved sign uh, that says reserved for God. You're his vessel, okay? 
You're not your own. You've been bought at a price. And you belong to him. He's reclaimed you out of alienation for himself, brought you to himself, purified you, and now you belong to him, okay? So that means those dark messages that many of us live with of our identities, I'm not enough, I'm a failure, I'm a screw-up, I'm broken, right? I'm whatever, whatever that is, that, that's, that's your past, okay? That is not your present and it's not your future. And also some of the things that drive us like, I get to do what I want with my life. I get to decide how to spend my money. I get to decide what I do with my time. That's also your past. No, you belong to God. You've been brought to Him, and He gets to decide what He does with you. And it will be a beautiful thing that He does with you. It will be redemptive and powerful, but it won't be what you would have thought of doing with you most of the time at least if Moses and Peter and Mary and Ruth have anything to say about it, right? That's the new identity. God's holy people. God is your father. The father of Jesus is your dad now, and you belong to him. And then finally, this new adventure to live into, which is this. Let the gospel bear fruit and grow in your life, and let that gospel spill out into other people's lives. Be a part of this story where God is reclaiming his image bearers one person at a time. Embrace your identity that you, you belong to God. And so wake up every morning and say, God, this day is yours. I'm yours. I'm at your service. Open my eyes to opportunities around me, right? May your spirit speak, prompt me to see broken image bearers all around me in need of grace and love and forgiveness, move my feet, move my mouth, move my hands so I can be part of this story. Give me courage, give me wisdom, help me see this. Let me move out and do this so I can be part of this beautiful story of your gospel bearing fruit and growing. And you know, that happens, sometimes that happens at camps. We talk about camps, sometimes that happens at revivals. Sometimes that happens in church services. Most often the way the gospel spreads is by a, a person living it out <laughs> and loving somebody else and sharing it with someone else. Ordinary people living out the gospel and sharing it with one another. That's how this story spreads. Uh, we, had that, we had that great uh, video story of Anita a couple, couple, you know, like a month ago in the Trader Joe's parking lot, right? Getting a cart and she's had back pain and this other gal comes up who has the same back pain, same surgery, and she has eyes open and the gospel bears fruit and grows. Uh, you'll see in your, your bulletins today, uh, Diane Koch, one of our own, she passed away a couple weeks ago. Her husband, Ted, I don't know if Ted's here today or not, um, Ted is with someone uh, on hosp who's helping with the hospice care. Um, he starts sharing the gospel with this guy, this young hospice worker. Um, they pray a prayer. This guy says, I want that. They end up praying a prayer. Uh, as his wife is dying, he's sharing uh, with this man, Right? And there's all sorts of ways we do this, right? We pray. We pray for our neighbors. We, we pray for our coworkers. Um, we grab coffee with people. We have neighbors over for, for um, dinner, right? All these simple ways that we do this. Our, our kids go off to camp, and, and all these things happen, and the gospel continues to bear fruit and grow. We're about to go outside. Eight people are going to be baptized into the reality of their new identity in Christ and the new adventure that they have. They are being baptized because at some point, someone in their life, 
or many people in their lives, parents, grandparents, friends, neighbors, family, whoever, exemplified the gospel and shared the gospel with them. And now it's bearing fruit and growing in their lives. So this is the story we get to be a part of. It's a great story. It's an epic. It's an adventure. And it's beautiful. And so that's what we're invited into. We'll be looking at what that looks like all fall. So with that, let me pray for us. And then we'll sing. And then we'll go out and experience the gospel together. Well, Lord, we want to just make ourselves available to your good news again. And I just pray for those of us who are living in fear right now, living in dark messages uh, that we all struggle with from time to time. I pray that your good news of your forgiveness, your freedom, your, your, um, the light of your face would shine on us, that we might experience the good news ourselves. And I also pray that you would open our eyes just to the ordinary lives that we live every day and where the opportunities are to love and to serve those around us, to be a part of this great story. And even now, would you stir our hearts as we sing to you our good Father and our Savior Jesus, we pray in his name. Amen.